spoke to uh, to Gary more recently than I've spoken to you, Nana. Um, how you doing? What is this? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you trying to guilt me on live radio, sir? You know, that wasn't my intent, but, you know, in, in retrospect, it certainly came out that way. So, yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, wasn't my intent. I just, I, we spoke sure. to Gary like two weeks ago. Anyway, <laughs> I apologize for that. So let me start with something I, I know that you and I disagree on. North Carolina's Heisman to the NIT. What, why was that a good idea or a just decision? I'm sorry. We're talking about North Carolina, right? The t- the team that fancies themselves as winning titles and having all right. the prestige. And then I'm okay with them saying, no, this is perfectly fine. The NIT is not for me, especially when, at this point, we're only doing this to laugh at them. Like, <laughs> I understand. And more importantly, and the bigger I think the bigger thing for me is the problems that they showed – in this season, despite all the disappointment and all, and despite being the, I think it was either the second or the third team out of the field, I'm kind of like the problems they have can't be fixed with an NIT run. Right. The issues with Caleb Love shooting too much aren't getting fixed with games that don't matter. Baycott is not going to be a better defender in games that don't matter. RJ Davis is not going to be better. I understand the idea that kids are going to get those guys that don't play are going to get an extra two or three games. But a lot of the problems that we saw with this team were not getting fixed with an NIT run. Right. But uh, to me, that wasn't the goal. uh, And by the way, whether they're above the NIT or not, they were probably above the NIT as a program in 2010. And they went, got to the final. uh, And that team had three future first round picks on it in Ed Davis, Tyler Zeller, and John Henson, as well as the Ware Twins, who ultimately transferred to UCLA and I think played in a uh, Final Four. Um, so that team went to a – Roy Williams took a team to the NIT. Matt Darty's last team went to the NIT. They got to the third round, lost at home to Georgetown. Um, so Because it was a narrative floating around the ether that uh, North Carolina routinely uh, declines NIT bids. And in the modern era of college basketball, they have not. Of course, they haven't really been in the position to have to decline an NIT bid, so that really doesn't matter. Um, I just felt like the program, it wasn't about a team, and it wasn't about fixing anything. It was about the program should have gone. That Hubert should have said, look, we're going to go play. Who wants to play? And take who you got and go. Of course, we do now... Uh, know that Tyler Nickel and Justin McCoy uh, are two names that are already in the transfer portal. I can't imagine they'll be the only ones. Um, this- oh, they shouldn't be. They they shouldn't be. Like, and I know we weren't headed this way, but if you're Hubert, what's stopping you from saying at this point, "Hey, Armando, you did a lot of stuff for us. It might be time to hit the portal." Hey, Caleb, you hit the big one of the biggest shots in program history. Might be time for you, big dog, and just start building this around RJ. Like, I think that's my other thing. Hubert's got some significant roster issues to fix. Yeah. We already saw a guy like J.J. Starling take literally 24 hours Less. to go from Notre Dame to Syracuse. <laughs> Less. It's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 but it's literally time for him to fix this roster. And by fix this roster, I mean make this in your image. 
if that if the NFT was going to get in the way of that, I am completely okay with Hubert saying, you know what, we got we got next year to worry about, next year to fix. Because honestly, that's the bigger portion. That's the bigger problem that Hubert has because he's going to have to do something and make a significant impact, or else we're going to start talking about Wes Miller more and Stack more. And I know that some portion of the fan base enjoys that, but I'm pretty sure he wouldn't at this point. No, and, and I hate that for Hubert. Because we don't have to go back too far for to see people just lauding Hubert Davis and his patience and the way he uh, kind of guided that team through a very, very difficult season and they got hot at the end. Of course, it was just getting hot at the end and it was Brady Manick uh, and everything he meant to that team. The team was really more about the first four months than the last four weeks. But, you know, Hubert came out of that season really looking like he was going to be the guy and 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 set for a long time. It didn't take very long for all the for all the doubters to resurface, and I hate that for him. No, you have to hate that for him because this was one of those like he gave them a reason, and some of that is on him. A lot of that is not on him. A lot, and I almost want to say the rebelling against Hubert Davis from the fan base feels like a just like rebelling against tradition almost you know it's it's basically that that the choices of west miller were never given to them stack was never given to them they were just handed hubert because that's what roy wanted right and normally that would be enough but clearly it's not in this case and now we're seeing people that who feel like they're being force-fed uh hubert davis and they're rejecting it and we kind of have an idea of why but for me at this point, like this class, and I want people to understand this, this class that is leaving Baycott, Davis, and, and uh, Caleb Love, remember, they've retired now two two head, uh, Hall of Fame head coaches. Right. Uh, Roy and Kay. So let's just remember <laughs> that when we have this, when we judge like <laughs> the entire Hubert Davis like coaching 10 years thus far. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Kanat Edwards is joining us here, not on the scribe on Twitter. The At the end of last season, th- they were like, yeah, well, John Shire, you're coming into this year. You go follow what Hubert did in year one. And <laughs> look, I don't know how you I – mean, it, it certainly doesn't equal what Hubert has done, uh, what, what he did in year one so far for John Shire. Uh, but winning an ACC championship, even in this league this year, Certainly doesn't suck as a first foray, no? He's been, like, at least as advertised, if not better than advertised this year. I understand that Hubert set the bar kind of high, but he had a whole bunch of 18-, 19-year-olds. He got them to mesh together. He also got them to play really, really, really good defense. Yeah. Like, he's done an excellent job. I'm not going to, like... Because let's be honest, very few first-year coaches were going to do what Hubert was going to do. What what Shire did with Kyle Filipowski, and we forget the transformation job that he did with Derek Lively because there were points where Derek Lively was flat-out unplayable in November (laughs) and December and parts of January. Like The fact that he turned that around and made them a defense to where they can basically say, we're going to take this away from you. And we're going to make you fight left-handed. And most of the time that they've done that, they've won. And, and I know we're getting into the tournament thing, but it's why I kind of have them 
in that Elite Eight Final Four discussion when we talk about the brackets this year. If they beat Oral Roberts, I'm I'm not kidding. I am when when okay when Oral Roberts plays fast, can score like crazy. I think Duke will be okay, but it's a very it, it's all about matchups and it's all about styles. And it's a style that can impact Duke. If Duke plays decent offense, they'll be fine. But if they beat Oral Roberts, is it crazy to have Duke in the Final Four? No. Okay. No. And I don't feel crazy. I, 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 I really like this team because they're the one team. They're one of the few teams that I know that when it comes to five minutes in the game, three minutes in the game, they're going to dig in your chest. They're going to play defense, and they're going to take at least one, if not your second favorite thing as well, away from you on offense. I trust them to do that. I just don't – the big thing about what Duke can do really, really well is they have a big man that can can literally play the pick and roll. Yeah. Matter of fact, they have two Mm -hmm. in terms of Filipowski and Derek Lively. As long as those two guys can stay on the floor and stay out of foul trouble – it's hard for me to like not foresee them doing significant damage in this NCAA tournament. And Ryan Young can play uh, 12 first-half minutes if you need and not worry about how many fouls he picks up. And you've got Mark Mitchell, uh, who can also defend bigs. So they've got, they've got multiple options defensively if they have to go to it. Is two ACC teams in the Final Four too much? Let me see what Norchad O'Meara looks like. That's exactly right. That, that's Let another me see team. What Norchad O'Meara? Like, I if Norchad O'Meara is healthy, I kind of like them to beat Houston. Yeah, that's, I'm not going to lie to you, especially if Marcus Sasser isn't right. I kind of like Miami in that bracket. It just really, really depends on what Norchad O'Meara looks like. I really like Miami. I think they really do a lot of good stuff. And I love Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack. I really like this team. And I Miller. Wanna, if I knew, like, if I knew what, if you told me Norchad O'Meara is healthy, I think they make it at least the elite eight. Um, I I love Miami. I've loved them all year. At the beginning of the year, I thought they were the best team in the ACC. But again, if they beat Drake to start, Drake is good. Yeah, legit good. So if Miami can beat Drake, if they can get out of the first weekend. And Omir is healthy when they get to Houston because it's going to be Houston. Then I do. I like I like Miami. And then next year when the ACC just put two teams in the Final Four two years in a row off trash seasons, <laughs> I'm going to scream for five months. Take your net and shove it because at some point we have to recognize that the, the these metrics that we use aren't. They're just not – they're fallible. We have to recognize that. I think the metrics are fallible. Clemson should be in this field. Should be in the field. Should be – like, if you if – you, I can't justify – I can't justify putting them in the field when they lose to Louisville. I understand they lost a bad game. They lost a terrible, terrible game. I will just say that any you, – you can lose any conference game you play. Any single conference game you play, you can lose, especially on the road. It's just the that's the, that's the weird thing about conference. You can't play. lose that one though. Yeah, you I, can't I get lose it. That one. I get it. I understand. It's a terrible loss. And that and that and Brownell's 
like, here's the other thing, and I don't blame him for doing this, but Brad Brownell scheduled non-conference like he was trying to save his job. He put a whole bunch of teams that really weren't that good in November and December. And then when you do that, you just leave yourself no margin for error to where when you lose to a really, really historically bad Louisville team, it basically disqualifies you. We've seen this before. It's why I kind of don't feel sorry for Clemson. And mind you, we have North Carolina as the basic, as the shining example of, hey, if you schedule better in your non-con, you're at least going to get the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. when you lose all these quad one opportunities left and right. You only got one or two wins. But if you schedule properly, then I'm completely okay with saying, hey, they should have gotten better. But when you schedule scared, I, it basically gives me no reason to feel sorry for you because you've basically done it to yourself at that point. I completely understand that mindset, and I still think Clemson should have been in the field, but that's fine. All right, finally, before I let you go, Kanata Edwards, at Nada Describe on Twitter, also formerly Locked On uh, Hornets podcast. We'll just say Locked On Hornets Emeritus. Uh, since you're based in Charlotte, uh, has the city calmed down yet since trading for the number one overall pick, <laughs> even though... Nobody knows who the best quarterback is at this point. No, we have not calmed down yet. Um, I think that they're going to, like, I don't, I think everybody knows it's going to be CJ Stroud. With really? Light, yeah. Okay. I everybody, I think it's CJ Stroud. Mm-hmm. I think with every, like, all the context clues and the people that are in the building right now, and specifically Josh McCown, who is, I believe, their quarterback's coach this yep. year and has been on record as loving D.J. Stroud in terms of just what he can be and even called him possibly the next Joe Burrow. Wow. I think it's D.J. Stroud, and I think everybody really is looking forward to this. I I just hope that, and maybe this is just a me and you thing, but for the price, I'd have probably just gotten gotten Lamar Jackson (laughs) and just figured it out money-wise. Yeah, the problem with Lamar Jackson, I keep saying this, the contract, the contract's prohibitive. I, I live for, with it. You, you, you I and I would. It. You and I would, right? But they won't. Yeah. No team in the league would. The The, yeah. the Ravens don't want to. I, I know, which tells me everything that we need to know about the Ravens and how smart they are. Yeah, but Ozzie Newsom is still in the building. And and there isn't a be- there isn't a smarter GM than Ozzie Newsom. Very true, but how much in the building? Because if that man is going, hey, we should stop being dumb about this and sign him, and he's being ignored. At that point, he's not being paid by them, and he w- he's probably like, you know what? I choose peace. If y'all are going to do this dumb mess, then move on. And then I'm just going to go play golf. Y'all figure it out. And then when it comes to we made a bad decision. I'm just going to tell you that stop speaking French to me because again, y'all made that decision, not me. I, if if Lamar Jackson's contract demands were normal, Deshaun Watson's contract is not normal. If Lamar Jackson's contract demands were Dak Prescottish or even Aaron Rodgers ish, it'd be a done deal today. But it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not, and I think that's also partially the Ravens' fault. Because I think we also have to factor in some other stuff, mm-hmm. NFLPA-wise, sure. that report card in ter- and the lack of the benefit of doubt that apparently those players have for ownership and management and the furnishings around them. 
with these strength trainers that are getting fired and everything else. A lot of that Lamar Jackson contract feels like, and I do not trust you to take care of me, so I need to cash this out now. That's very possible. And it's very possible that it could have been a, could be a breakdown there as well. Kanat Edwards, at Not Inscribe on Twitter. Uh, we'll talk again, I'm sure, very soon, at least within the next six, eight months. <laughs> I will talk to you soon, man. You're the best, man. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>